Uh, is a little different this morning. Uh, you don't see Pastor Zeno and Sister Christina here this morning. They are actually on a little vacation this week and next, and uh, so we're excited. They're able to visit Sister Christina's homeland in Sweden, so we're trusting God that they are having a wonderful time and that they're just going to come back refreshed and blessed, and uh, so we're praying that God would do that and bring them back to us safely. So uh, we're excited again to be here, excited for them. And uh, we're, we're, we're so grateful for Sister Ava, amen, this morning to step in and lead worship. Amen. Amen. We're, we're grateful for our worship team and those that serve, those that uh, are musicians, uh, those that are working in the sound booth. They come and they give of themselves uh, and we're grateful for them. Amen. What a blessing they are to our church. Hallelujah. God is good. He's good all the time. We have just a couple of quick announcements before we pray and get into our time of worship. Be sure and grab a bulletin. Uh, this week uh, on Wednesday night, our midweek service, our Bible study will be at 7 o'clock. Brother Gary Nichols is going to be teaching, so we want to invite you out. Uh, Wednesday at 7. You don't want to miss that. And then next Sunday, we've actually got some missionaries that are going to be visiting with us and going to be sharing, uh, speaking about what God is doing. Missionary George Rafferty and uh, missionary to the Arabs. So uh, we're excited about that as well. There's some other uh, opportunities. Ladies, don't forget the Thrive Women's Ministry Conference is coming up. Uh, there's still time to get on the sign-in sheet to get your money in. The event's not until October the 5th through the 7th, but the deadline for that registration is September the 6th. So we just wanted to get that out there to you again so that you don't miss that great opportunity to come together. I know it'll be a powerful conference, and it'll be a great time of blessing. Amen for each one of you. Praise the Lord. Lord. Well, I'm ready for a great time of blessing this morning. Amen. We can expect that. I hope you came with a great expectation to meet with God today. He's here. Amen. As we, as I pulled into the parking lot and parked my vehicle and got out, I could just feel a light wind beginning to blow. And I said, yes, Lord. I believe it's the wind of the Holy Spirit beginning to move even now through our service that's going to continue right through this day week. Amen. Oh, God is good. Are you ready to worship God this morning? Hallelujah. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to worship God together. Open your heart. He's worthy of our praise this morning, church. And we want to lift him up. We want to give him glory and honor for who he is, that he's the living God. Hallelujah. He's the author, the finisher of our faith, our salvation. He's our deliverer, our healer, whatever you have need of today, he's here. Amen. Let's honor him with our worship. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day, God, that you have made. Lord, we rejoice. 
We're glad in it today, Lord God. Father, we come, Lord, to offer our worship to You. Lord, we pray, God, that You would be glorified in this place as we lift up our song, as we lift our hearts in praise to You, Lord God. May You be glorified, God. Pour out Your Spirit upon us today. We come with a great expectation, God. We come with hungry hearts today, Lord, for You to move in our midst, Lord, to move in our lives, to move, God, in our family and in our church, Lord. Oh, throughout our community, God, have Your way, Father, in our service today. Father, we thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord, church.
Jesus Messiah. 
Nothing compares to this. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Your name, God, is powerful, Lord, above every name, Father. We love you today. We thank you today that your name is powerful, Lord, all above all, Lord God. We love you today. We thank you today. We exalt you today, Lord God, and we thank you for that name that's above every name, Lord. That name, Lord God, oh, Father, the name of Jesus, we love you today. We honor you. We exalt you, Lord, today. And we thank you, Lord, for who you are. That you're a great and a mighty God, all powerful, Lord. And Father, today we honor you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise this morning. Let's let him know how much we love you. Lord, we praise you this morning. We honor you today. We exalt you today, Father. We give glory to you, King of kings and Lord of lords, for you are are worthy this morning, Lord, and we give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, 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 Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. What a powerful name it is. Amen. There's power in that name. There's salvation in that name. There's deliverance in that name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, welcome again. We're excited to be here this morning. Praise the Lord. If you came in late, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. We're believing God with you today. Amen. For whatever you have need of, God is going to meet you right where you're at this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. At this time, we'll dismiss our children to Children's Church. God bless you. Sister Amy, thank you. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. I want to share with you a passage of Scripture this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Psalm. We're going to look at Psalms 126. So the Psalms, uh, uh, beginning with Psalms 120 and continuing to Psalm 134, these Psalms are called Songs of Degrees. And they were sung by the pilgrims who were traveling to Jerusalem to keep the various feasts on the religious calendar of Israel. And there were stations along the way where as they would travel, they would stop and they would sing songs to the Lord in worship as they traveled back to Jerusalem uh, while uh, they were singing. So this psalm, Psalms 126, is actually the seventh of 15 songs of degrees. And it was a special song to the children of Israel because it reminded them of the Lord's past work 
in the life of their nation, uh, of God's promise to carry on the work that he had began into the future. It's also a special psalm to the Christians. Amen? As we look, you'll see that those of us that are believers, that are born again believers and part of the church of Jesus Christ, it speaks to us about what the Lord has done for us. Amen? And in, as, as He saved us and He delivered us from the stronghold of sin, we've received forgiveness. And it also reminds us about God's plan that He has for you and for me to bless us, to use us, and for a certain future in eternity. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you know that God's not through with you yet? Amen. 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 Psalms 126 is a song that looks back to when the captives of Israel returned to Jerusalem. This was following their long exile uh, from Babylon. So after 70 years they had suffered so much and now they suddenly found themselves back in their homeland, back in Jerusalem, back in the beloved city of God. If you can only imagine what it must have been like when God had delivered them. And this psalm also not only tells of their return and how they were overwhelmed, but it's also a psalm that we can look to when we're going through difficult times and times of crisis and times of struggle in our own lives and we can see. Let's look together as, we, as I read from Psalms 126 verses 1 through 6. Hallelujah. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us whereof we are glad. In verse 4 it says, Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap Enjoy, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Father, we love you today. God, we thank you, Lord. For who you are, that you're a great and a mighty God. We thank you for your precious promises, Lord. For your strong hand of deliverance, Lord God. As we look back to the children of Israel and how you delivered them, how you brought them out, Lord God. And Father, today we pray that you would stir within us, Lord God. That you would move by your Holy Spirit, God. This morning as we look to your word, that you would stir within us, Lord. Father, even as those that sowed precious seeds, Lord. For a great harvest, God. Have your way in this place this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I titled this message this morning, From Tears of Toil to Tears of Joy. Amen. Amen. You know, we all are, are, are as, as we walk this Christian life as we go through our lives and we serve the Lord you know we sometimes we're faced with difficult seasons of life I know for us that we have been through some very difficult seasons in our own life and with our 
with our, uh, uh, our, our parents. And, and so if you uh, may be here this morning, maybe you can relate to what I'm talking about. It's not an easy time for those that are aging. My daddy said it best. He said, getting old is not for wimps. <laughs> Amen? So with life comes difficult times just from the very season of life you may be in. Sometimes it feels uh, like the, the situation and the circumstances you're in, no matter what that may be, it could be financial trouble, it could be a hardship, it could, it, it, it could be something that you, you, you've been praying about for a long time and you're waiting and believing God and trusting God to move in your situation. And, but, but, but when you wake up each morning... It's still there and you're exhausted and there's still tears. Uh, and, and as you continue to press forward, you know, sometimes it's easy to lose hope as we face those difficult situations in our life. You begin, maybe you begin to wonder and you begin to question and maybe it feels like your prayers are just bouncing off the ceilings and you're not getting through to God and you're not seeing the hand of God and you can't tell that God is moving in your situation but rest assured that God is at work because when it's those times, it's in your darkest hour, it's in those places of the valley that God is doing the most work in you and through you. You once again will see a mountaintop. He's going to bring you through and he's going to turn those tears into times of joy and refreshing. When you're going through those deep times you may begin to wonder and question God what is this all that you have for me God it may feel like you don't see an end in sight and that you don't know how God is possibly going to move in your circumstance or in your situation will I ever be happy again but when you're going through these difficult times, Psalm 126 is a strong medicine for our soul this morning. It carries a powerful message of hope. It tells of times of trouble and sorrow that they don't last, but there's a time of rejoicing and a time of great harvest. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, glory, if you're going through a challenging time this morning, I trust this morning that God will speak to your heart this morning and I'll tell you right up front that it's going to get better if you don't give up. God's going to bring you through it this morning. Come on. God can change your tears into joy. I know it seems hard to believe and maybe uh, it was hard to believe too for the Jews. If you can imagine that the children of Israel were in bondage, driven from their homeland and in bondage for 70 years in captivity. And you can imagine over the years that there were those that maybe passed and there were those that were born in captivity, that were born in bondage, that never knew anything different. But there were those that were left that knew of the time that they were in their homeland of Jerusalem where God's presence was. Hallelujah. You know, it's hard to believe sometimes when we're faced with these different difficult situations, but we're going to look at this psalm together. And basically, this psalm has two main ideas. The first one encourages us to look at how God has helped us in the past, delivered us in the past, and encourages us to marvel at all the things that God has done. And then... 
trusting Him to do it again. And then the last two, two verses are often used to challenge the believers and the church to be active in sowing and reaping and reaching the lost. Amen. For a lost and dying world. How many of you know that we need to reach a lost and dying world? I was uh, preparing just, just a couple of weeks ago as I was just in prayer and thinking about our message today and I saw a set of scales and I pondered on those scales. It was a set of balances and I looked at them and I prayed about them and I said, Lord, what is this? And he said, judgment is coming, but I'm a just God. And he said, and the scales represent the souls of men, that there are souls of men in the balance. And I hope today that God stirs us to a place that we once again have a burden for those souls. So looking at verses 1 through 3, first of all, I want us to see, it says that when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. When the Lord turned again the captivity, listen, it it wasn't an if... That if you do this, I, I'm going to do that. No, no, it just says when. How many of you know that when God gets ready to deliver His people, that He can deliver them, that He is a powerful God, amen? That there's nothing too too hard for Him. There's no situation or circumstance that's too hard for Him this morning. But when the Lord says when, how many of you know when God gets ready to move that there's nothing that can stop Him? When God gets ready to deliver His people, when God gets ready to deliver you from your sorrow, from your circumstance, from your situation, there's no devil in hell that can get in the way, but God is able to deliver you with His strong, with His mighty hand. The Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. The Lord had delivered Israel from captivity Captivity, restoring them back to Zion, back to the church, back to their homeland where the presence of God dwelt. We can look back ourselves and at times when we've seen God uh, deliver His children all throughout the Bible, but not just the Bible. And I'm sure that we could talk about many instances where God delivered His people, right? There's many that we can think about when God parted the Red Seas and delivered them from Egypt. And, and we can think about different ones in the Bible. But aren't you just amazed that we look back and see how God has maybe worked in our own situation? Can you think of a time this morning that you were pressed in on all sides and you needed a miracle of God and you remember, hallelujah, how God delivered you. And sometimes when you're faced with those situations, it's sometimes hard to remember and to see. But we must look back and we must see how God delivered us before because the same God, hallelujah, that delivered you before. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today and forever and He'll deliver you again. You know the the children of Israel they must have been to a place that they were wondering if God was ever going to show up again. 
But when God moved, when God delivered them, it says that we were like those who dream. And I thought about this, and you know, I think about people that dream. And, and, and maybe you have some dream, and there's nothing wrong. I know young people, when you're starting out, maybe you've got this great dream of what your life may be like and what you would like it to look like and what you think it's going to look like. But I can tell you, if you'll surrender that dream to God, He'll surprise you with things that you never even knew that you wanted. Come on. Submit that dream to the Lord. Surrender it to Him. And then I thought about those that dream. Those that dream dreams. Uh, 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 and, and many in the world. And maybe you were at that place before you found Jesus. Maybe you were dreaming. And you were looking for that happiness. You were looking for that contentment. You were looking for that satisfaction and that joy. And you tried everything in the world to try to find it. Maybe you're here this morning. And maybe you're at that place where you look, you've looked in a job. You're looking toward the lotto and you're looking toward maybe some cards or you're looking for a power or a new position or a new promotion or whatever it is you're looking for but I can tell you this morning that there's nothing that's going to satisfy until you repent and surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can fill that void this morning. He's the only one that can give you a peace and a joy that's everlasting. He can change you. Hallelujah. Woo, he'll change you if you'll put your faith and your trust in Him. But it says that they were like those who dream. It seemed to them, like to the children of Israel, like it was a dream come true. They were amazed. They couldn't believe it. Here we were, we were in bondage, and now all of a sudden it is like a dream. Is this really happening? We're here. We're back to our homeland. When God delivers you, sometimes it can feel like a dream. It may seem too good to be true. The year was 538 B.C. The the Jews had been exiled to Babylon for 70 years. And that's a long time. The people had settled down. They had established homes in the new land. and, And that was all that they knew. And then suddenly there came a decree from the king... Cyrus, he made a proclamation allowing the Jews to go home. And they had experienced this captivity. And then in a moment, when God delivered them, when God turned their captivity, he set them free. Hallelujah. And it felt like a dream. I imagine it must have been kind of the way Job must have felt. If you can imagine Job, we know Job's sorrows, how he was caught up, right? And we, and, and we look back, you know the story of how Job uh, lost everything that he had. Everything was stripped away. And he was a man of sorrows and, and his friends would come and ridicule him. And, and, and it's a wonder he didn't give up hope, but he kept believing and trusting God. He must have wondered though at that time, even as those sores had come, covered his body and he was scraping those sores. He had to be wondering if there was ever a time going to be where he would be healed, where he would be delivered, where he would be restored again. But I'm telling you, hallelujah, that God did it. God restored him. God restored everything that he'd lost and God restored his hope. How about when God rescued Peter? It seemed like a dream. Remember? Remember when Peter was preaching? They told him not to preach. And he continued to preach and the disciples and they took him and they threw him in prison. 
And they imprisoned him and the next morning they were going to kill him. And I'm sure that Peter had to be thinking, Oh my goodness, what, Lord, where are you? God, I need you. And it seemed like a dream when the angel of the Lord came and opened up the prison doors. And it even said that as he walked through the gate, he walked through the prison and then into the outer gate. He was still wondering in himself if this maybe was a dream. You know, we looked at at these different situations, the children of Israel. There was three examples. We looked at the children of Israel, and we know that their bondage came from and their captivity came from uh, because of their sinful disobedience and their idolatry. But what about Job? Job was, was a righteous man of God. He didn't do anything to deserve it, but God had a conversation with Satan. He said, have you considered my servant Job? And God allowed those things to happen to Job. But God was faithful in that He delivered him. And then lastly, Peter, he was in prison because of persecutions, because he was sharing Jesus with others. You know, your situation, I want to tell you this morning that no matter why you're in your situation, that this is an opportunity for God to move. You know that God still allows things to happen in your life if you allow sin to rule your life. God sometimes allows hardship to come so that He can try to get your attention and bring you to a place that you would cry out to Him in repentance. God may be working a work in your your life and He may be... Uh, 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 developing you. You may be on the potter's wheel and he may be allowing things to happen where he's trying to shape you and mold you and fashion you after the likeness of his son. Like Job. Maybe. Maybe you're preaching. Maybe you're sharing the gospel and the love of Jesus with those around you. I hope you are. Your situation is an opportunity for God to move this morning. Hallelujah. As we continue to look at verse 2, it says that our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Before you can understand the laughter and the joy, I think we first have to understand their sorrow. And when you think about being uh, uh, the captives experienced a great sorrow, mourning in exile. In fact, some of the most heartbreaking passages in the scripture are found uh, uh, talking about the Jews' exile to Babylon. Lamentations is full of different things. Or Psalms 137, it says this, heartbreaking. It says, by the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our hearts, for there our captors asked for our songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord? while we're in a foreign land. How can we sing when we are being tormented, when we are held captive? The tormented, the tormentors demanded songs of joy, but they just sat by the waters there in Babylon and wept. How can you sing when you're held captive? 
But now by an amazing work of God, they were suddenly back in Zion and to their mouths were filled with laughter and their tongues were singing. There was a great joy. There was worship that broke out. It's a terrible thing to be held captive and be held in bondage. But how many of you know that there comes a day that you can have singing and you can have joy. You may be drowning in tears and in sorrow. You may wonder if you'll ever laugh again. But I want to tell you, you will. For in God's times of sorrow, you'll be lifted. and God will fill your mouth with laughter and with songs of joy. Can you think of a time when you were saved? I think about it often and I look back and I think about the children of Israel and where God brought them from and how they were in bondage and in exile. And that's a picture any time that the children of Israel are in bondage and they're captive. It's a picture of the sinner that's lost. He's, he's bound by sin. <laughs> but I remember that day. I remember the day that I cried out to the Lord when God delivered me and when God set me free. There was joy. He gave me a new song. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I began to rejoice with singing and praising God because He lifted the burden that I had been carrying, that burden of sin, that burden of guilt. He delivered me from the strongholds that the enemy had put up. Upon me, he gave me a new song. Hallelujah. They said it wouldn't last. Oh, but let me tell you today, when you continue to fan into flame and walk in His presence and spend time in His presence, you can walk in revival. You can walk in the glorious presence of God that no matter what season you're faced with, no matter what you're going through, no matter what situation looks like, you can begin to praise God even in the midst of it, knowing that your God will deliver you. When God does a work like this in your life, it brings glory to God. Amen? It brings glory to God and it brings joy for us. And that we see in verses 2 and 3, it said, Then said among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. You know, this was an amazing thing that in that day when the children of Israel were were held captive, you know, there were other nations that knew about God, that heard about God, and they saw the children of Israel being overtaken and overcome. And they must have thought that what a weak God this is, that He could not deliver His people from Babylon what they must have been thinking. But when God raised up a standard, hallelujah, and He delivered the people out, the Bible says that even the heathen took notice of what God had done and began to recognize that the God of Israel began to move and deliver His people. Hallelujah. The Lord has done great things. What God did for Israel was so amazing that all of the nations around begin to sit up and take notice and give glory to God. You know, you know, you know you're having an impact, hallelujah, when God delivers you and those around you see it. You know that people are watching when you go through those hard places, when you go through those difficult times, the world is watching to see what kind of God this is you serve. Hallelujah. And we can stand firm and we can trust God that when He delivers us that they'll see, hallelujah, His salvation. God's salvation is meant to see, be seen by all of the nations. 
We read it in Isaiah 52 and 10. It says, The Lord will lay bare His holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad this morning that we serve a God that delivers us from those places that we're held captive and brings glory and honor to Himself? It reminds us of our responsibility as well to tell others what God has done for us. Listen, we need to give God glory and we need to shout it from the rooftops. Don't let things... Listen, listen. You need to be sharing your testimony with those around you. You need to be sharing what God's doing in your heart and doing in your life and when He blesses you, when He sets you free. It's our responsibility. If the pagan nations could give glory to God for the things He's done, how much more should we be proclaiming it before the world? I want to tell you this morning, Christians, we should be the most joyful people in the world. Amen? If you don't have the joy of the Lord, I want to encourage you to get back in the Word of God and get back in prayer and stoke the fire once again because God didn't move. He's still pouring out His Spirit. In His presence is fullness of joy. And at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want to tell you this morning, church, don't allow the enemy or anything else to to, 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 to to, to take away your praise this morning. Woo. If God's done something this morning, you need to proclaim it. You need to declare it from the rooftops. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. Don't let the noise of the world drown out your song. Listen, church. Don't let the things of the world drown out your song. So many times, so many things that may feel like it's closing in around you, but don't allow your circumstances to steal your joy this morning. But continue to put your faith in God and declare that God will do it again. We've been delivered from death, hell, and the grave. God's delivered us. Our name's been written in the Lamb's book of life. We have a promise of a city whose builder and maker is God. We have something to declare. We have something to share. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Let's shout it from the rooftops. When God does a work of deliverance in your life, it brings glory and honor to God. I want us to notice in verse 4 in Psalms 126, the only verse in the psalm that seems to be in present tense. It seems like verses 1 and 3 were, were in the past. They were looking back at what God had done. They were looking back and it says that they were looking back. Uh, verse 1 talks about uh, what we were like. And then verse 2 says, Then was our mouth full, and the Lord hath done great things in verses 3. But I want to tell you that they may have been in the past tense in verses 5 or 6 or in the future, but I declare to you this morning that verse 4 is expressed as a prayer. God, turn again our captivity. Turn again our captivity. Lord, what you did before, do it again. 
You know, you might have been set free once before. You may have gotten saved. You may have gotten delivered. And over time, maybe you have slipped away. And maybe things aren't as fresh as they once been. But you can cry out to God, Do it again, Lord. Restore. Return again our captivity, Lord God. Restore again, Lord. Turn again our captivity. Do it for us now. They were saying, God, what you've done before, do it again. This should be our cry. Just as Israel looked back and they saw how God delivered them, we should be crying out, Jesus, do it again. Do it again. Maybe you've looked back this morning. Maybe you've been thinking about times in the past when God delivered you. Maybe you even thought about times when you were saved. And you may be evaluating your, your level of joy today. Maybe you're thinking about uh, uh, when God filled you with His Holy Spirit and what a precious time that was and how He filled you to overflowing. And it was singing and worshiping. And you might be saying, do it again, Lord. Deliver again. Pour out your Spirit again. And they prayed that just as... The spring rains, it says, as the streams in the south. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. And as we look at that and we think about the streams, we know that streams are waters. Hallelujah, Jesus said, Hallelujah, he that drinks of my, uh, that I give him a drink, will, out of his belly would throw rivers of living waters. Amen. Hallelujah, streams out of the south. And as we look, he's talking about the south. He's talking about the, 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 the south. Uh, is the streams in the south means the streams of Negev, which actually means a dry or a parched place. It was a place of a desert place. And, it, and, and at the times of rains, the flash floods would be turned loose and the water would flood through that place. Right now, immediately... How many of you know that in a dry and a thirsty land and in a desert place that God's able to make streams in the desert places? Come on, somebody. And they said, as the streams in the south, Lord, do it again. Pour out your Spirit upon us as the streams in the house. Do it now, Lord. In the winter and the springs, those rains could suddenly send waters and they would rush through those deserts. I visited Arizona a few years ago. And as we were there and we were going through those desert places, I can imagine it must be similar that way in the south, in the Gev, right? Because there were desert places and in those roads there would be big gullies beside the roadways and they were huge gullies that were filled with rock beds and they were dry. I mean no water there. And I looked at it and it took me a while to figure out that it was there that they made a way that in the mountains when the rains would come that the waters would begin to flow down off of the hill and there would be flash flooding and had they not cut those places for the water to go it would have wiped out the cities below that's the streams that they're talking about do it again Lord release the streams Lord that would overtake us and overflow us this morning this, this image speaks of a sudden outpouring of God's blessing don't you love it when God does something suddenly when he does something right now oh glory 
He still works suddenly, but also he works uh, uh, at times. It, he, he works in a slower manner where it may take times of prayer. It may take times of sowing in tears before your deliverance comes. Hallelujah. You may this morning, you may feel dry and parched. You need to pray for God to restore you. Amen. Pray that God would restore you. Joel 2.25 says, I will repay you for the years that the locust has eaten. Listen, God will redeem the time for you this morning. If you've been going through that place, God will redeem the time. Ask God to pour out His Spirit like the streams of Negev this morning. We need to pray this not only for ourselves, uh, but also for the church. This is a prayer for revival. Listen, I don't know if you realize where we're at in America, but we need a move of God. We need revival in our land. Listen, if we don't see, if God don't move, listen, if God don't move, we're headed to a place that's not going to be fun. We can already see. We know that, 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 that Jesus is coming soon. Amen? We can see the signs of the time. We can see the things that are going on and look around the world around us that Jesus is coming soon. But before He comes, I'm praying and believing God for a great revival, a great outpouring of His Spirit. I've been praying for revival. I'm believing God for revival. And it's going to come when the children of God begin to cry out in repentance and say, God, do it again in me. Me, Lord, just as the rivers, as the streams in the south, God, do it in me. Do it again. Deliver me. Forgive me, Lord. Hallelujah. I believe that the church, I believe that we've grown complacent. And, and I, I, I think this is a time, it's not a time for us to get caught up in the things of the world and focused on our situations and our problems, but I think it's a time for the church to be delivered this morning. I think it's a time for the church to be delivered because apart from Him, we can do nothing. How many of you know that sin separates us from God? Sin separates us from God. And apart from Him, we can do nothing. We have no power. We have no authority. But when we are set free, when the captives are set free and we put our faith and our trust in God and we walk with Him, we can walk in the fruit of His righteousness. We can walk in the power of His might. And we can be a witness, hallelujah, in these last days. We can be a witness that we can share with others about Jesus and His delivering power of His great salvation. Come on, somebody. We need to pray. We need to pray that God would give us a burden for the lost. I want us to look. We're going we're gonna to kind of switch gears here and look at verses 5 and 6. Perhaps uh, more of us need a, a time of prayer just like that. That God would create for us a burden in our heart for the lost. We see the Apostle Paul. He said, For I wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Paul had a burden for the lost. There's others that had a great burden for the lost. There seems to be a change in the direction of the psalm at this point. In fact, the verses continue the thought of the previous verses. It says, When these people returned to their homeland, they found it decimated and totally destroyed. All their fields were fallow. There was no harvest and there was very little food. Food for them to eat once they come back to their homeland. All they had was a few. 
precious seeds that they were believing God for a future harvest. And, and they took these seeds and they, they, they involved themselves in back-breaking work. Hallelujah. And it says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. They took those few seeds and with tears they sowed those seeds into the earth. With faith and patience they waited. And in a few weeks there was life in the field. When harvest time comes, those few seeds transform into a great harvest. Listen, this speaks volume to the saints today. To the saints of the Lord. After we have been delivered from our sin, saved by grace, we should be moved by a burden to touch others and to reach others. God didn't save us and set us free so we could enjoy His presence. No, He did that we can enjoy His presence. But His plan is to empower us by His presence to take the seed, the gospel seed of Jesus Christ and share it with a lost and a dying world. Men's souls are in the balance this morning. The task of the sower... The sower is to go forth and sow seed. And when we look at that, we know what does that sound like when we're we're told that the sower is to go forth and sow seed. That sounds a lot like the Great Commission, doesn't it? Jesus said, go and teach all nations in Matthew 28 and 19. And that word go has the idea that as we go, as we go, we're, we're to sow And we're to bear those precious seeds. When the Bible's talking about precious seeds, that phrase has the idea of of just leaving a a trail of seeds. The idea is that everywhere we go, that we're dropping seeds, that we're sharing our testimony, that we're sharing how God delivered us, that we're touching our world around us. There are people out there that are lost and dying and going to hell. There are those that God will place in your path that only you can reach. (laughs) Let me tell you, There are some divine appointments out there we need to recognize and we need to be in a position in our walk with God that we can be used of Him. I want us to look next at verse 6, the tears of the sower. Why does he weep? Why does he weep? He weeps because he knows that everything is depending on those seeds, on that crop. He knows everything depends on the next crop. If those seeds don't come up, he's not going to have food to eat. He has a burden for the harvest. And he wants to see the seed multiplied so that he can feed and provide for his family and those in his community. We need a burden for the harvest, church. I pray that the Holy Spirit stirs us this morning with a burden for the harvest. The fields are white and ready for harvest. The workers are few. Pray ye that the Lord would send workers into His harvest. Amen? Amen. Pray that God would send workers into His harvest. He has a burden for the harvest and He wants the seed to be multiplied so that people might live. I've already touched on that need for the burden on the, over the law, so I just want to point out uh, three simple things. First of all, uh, we need a bur- why we need a burden for the lost. The Bible offers many 
uh, examples of men that had a burden for the lost. I mentioned Paul earlier. He, he was willing to, to, to lay down. He said he was willing to give his life if his brethren, uh, the children of Israel, could be saved. He had a burden for the lost. He lived his life out, totally surrendered to God. And there's many examples of how he suffered a, a, a lot of persecution and, and uh, was stoned and beaten. And, uh, but, but, but he recognized that the seed that he carried that there were men's souls in the balance. Jeremiah had a burden for the children of Israel in the Old Testament. He was the weeping prophet. There was also our Lord and our Savior. The, the, we know that, that, that because of a love for a lost and a dying world that he gave his life, he laid his life down to be crucified on the cross, his blood shed at Calvary. The Bible says no greater love has this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. This is our example of somebody that, that we need to pattern our lives after, after Paul, after Jeremiah, after others that had given their lives. The Bible talks about the heroes of faith, those that were not even worthy to be uh, 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 the world was not worthy of them. Amen? Jesus had a burden for the lost, so should we. There was a day when we were lost without God. The memory of sin and the life that we lived and how God delivered us should be enough to move us. Men and women all over this world are dying and going to hell. Hell's a real place. Eternity's a long time. Listen, we need a burden for the lost. I, I was, I was uh, thinking. I was thinking when Carla and I went to the mission field. We went to Jamaica and we did a, a, a term down there. But as we were leaving, as we were leaving, God had moved. Have, had called us. He had put it on our heart to go down there and share the love of Jesus, to share the gospel. And so Carla and I, we went through the process and we loaded up our family. We had our 16 suitcases. We went to the airport. We had our little boy, our five-year-old little boy, and we loaded up and we were obeying God because he'd give us a burden to take the gospel message to Jamaica. And we got to the airport and we were saying goodbye to... Uh, Carla's mom and dad, my mother, my father-in-law, and we were hugging and we were kissing and we were holding. And when I grabbed my father-in-law, Roland Blunt, he had experience uh, in missions as he served in missions his whole life. And, 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 and I grabbed him and I held on tight and I said, Daddy, I said, this don't feel like my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he said, no, it's not. He said, this is like him that, that goes forth sowing in tears, reaping in joy, and bringing his sheaves with him. Listen, we need to get a burden for the lost this morning. We need God to move in our situation. We need God to move this morning. I'm going to close this morning as... And this morning as we close, I just want to encourage you. As we look to Jesus for the ultimate fulfillment of this psalm, 
Hebrews 12 and 2 tells us, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame. He's our example this morning. Jesus knows the trouble, the sorrows that we face in this life, church. He shed many tears of His own during His life on earth. He went to the cross weeping, carrying seed to sow, and he returned from the dead with resurrection songs of joy, carrying his sheaves, believers with him, and he's coming again. Listen, he's coming again. He's coming again, church. He's coming soon. He's coming for the bride of Christ. I'm looking for the trumpet to sound for the imminent return of Jesus. There's nothing else that's got to happen, hallelujah, in Bible prophecy except the trumpet sound. And he's coming and he's looking for a church without spot or without wrinkle this morning church listen if you're a believer you're going to be a part of this glorious harvest and I pray that when we get to heaven that we'll see those that come up to us and run up to us and said thank you thank you thank you for sharing Jesus with me and how he set you free because of your testimony I'm here today There's a time for sowing and a time for weeping. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Jeremiah 31 and 9 says, They shall come with weeping, and with supplications will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way wherein they shall not stumble. Listen, if you'll get a vision for the harvest. If you'll get a vision for the harvest, the fields are white. Listen, church, if you'll get a vision, it'll motivate you to press in. Hallelujah. And allow God to use you. Jesus is here this morning to meet you right where you're at. I'm going to pray and then we're going to open up the altars this morning. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know. We're all at different places, I'm sure. I don't know what what might be holding you captive. What's keeping you from walking in that fruitful and abundant life that Jesus came to give you. But I'm telling you this morning, we need a revival. We need to call out on God that He would give us a burden for the lost. And if you're here this morning, listen, if you're here this morning, maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can know Him today. Maybe you're like those that dream. Maybe you're looking and you're searching and you're trying to find yourself and you're trying to find your purpose and you're trying to find that peace and that joy. Jesus is here today. All you have to do is repent and put your faith Repentance means that I'm going to turn from my sin and I'm going to turn to God. And if you'll come down here and put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ today, I believe He'll set you free. I believe He'll give you a new life if that's you this morning. You may be here today. You might be searching. You might be looking. Maybe you're here. Maybe you've never fully surrendered to Christ. 
You need to totally surrender to Him today, your will. You know, there's, there, there, there's a lot of people sometimes that they try to serve God, but they try to serve God with one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And listen, you can't serve two masters. You'll be frustrated. You'll be frustrated. You'll never have victory. You'll continue to go around that mountain searching and looking, but until you totally surrender to God. Listen, your deliverance this morning, God's here, the power of God's here. If you're in bondage, if you are bound today, there's an anointing that will break that yoke today. If you'll come and you'll surrender it to God today, I believe that He'll set you free. Maybe you're held captive this morning by an addiction. Maybe that's alcohol. Maybe it's nicotine. Maybe it's pornography. Whatever it is, listen, if you've got sin in your camp, you're going to be separated from God. You're never going to enter into your fulfillment of the calling that God's placed on your life. This is a work of the enemy the enemy tries to sow into your life and sow sin into your life, set traps for you. Even great men of God have fell to traps of promiscuity and other things and fell from great ministries. Listen, there's no such temptation as common to man, right? That, that, that we're all subject to it. Listen, if God... Uh, if you've got something standing in the way and hindering your walk with God, you're never going to be set free and you're never going to be all that God wants you to be. Listen, God's got an anointing for you this morning to set you free and to use you to touch others. Remember Peter. Peter denied the Lord. Jesus had talked to him one time and he said, when you've been restored, he said, turn around. And he said, share it with others. Amen? And that's our word to you today. Maybe you're held captive this morning. Maybe you're held captive by past hurts or fear. Jesus wants to set you free today. Hallelujah. He that goes forth weeping, seeking deliverance. Hallelujah. He that goes forth weeping, seeking deliverance, crying out to God, bearing precious seed. Somebody this morning, somebody this morning, you're on your last seed. Bring it to God this morning. He's here. He wants to touch you. Maybe you're, maybe you're in a circumstance and it's wearing on you and you need those streams of Negev to be poured out and fill you afresh. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're just weary from the battle. Maybe you need a refreshing this morning. The Lord is here this morning. I'm going to pray. I want to invite you to stand this morning. We're going to pray. We're going to open the altars and if you need something from God today, He's here. He wants to touch you. Maybe you've got a burden within you for the loss. Maybe you've got a seed that you've been praying over and you've been praying over. That seed's representing a son or a daughter or a backslidden family member or somebody. Jesus is here this morning. We're going to believe God this morning to touch you right where you're at, to refresh you, to fill you, to deliver you, and to give you a burden, a fresh burden for revival, for souls, for the lost. Hallelujah. Father, we love you today. Father, we thank you for your presence, God. We thank you that you're a delivering God. Father, that there's no stronghold, Lord God, that you can't break. God, I pray this morning that by your Holy Spirit that you would search the hearts of men.
that you would stir up, God, even now, that you would convict us of our sins, Lord, that you would bring us to a place of repentance where we would call out upon you in repentance, God, that you would hear, that you would hear, and that you would heal us, Lord, that you would deliver us, Lord, that you would forgive us, Lord, that you would fill us with your Spirit, God, and that you would equip us to be your hands and your feet, to be a witness, Lord. Empower us today like only you can, Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, only you know the hearts of men and women and what they're faced with and what they're struggling with this morning. I pray that you would stir every heart today, God. May we come to this altar, Lord, if for nothing else, God, to give you glory and to bring seeds, Lord God, of the gospel message that we're going to sow this week that we want to cast them, Lord God, before your altar and pray, God, that you would anoint them, that they would fall on ground, fallow ground that's been prepared, that's been toiled, Lord, that's ready to receive it, Lord. For we know, Lord God, that the seed is precious, God, and that the souls of men are in the balance. God, move right now, we pray, as we open these altars. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Minister to every heart today with every need, we pray in 